Democratic Republic of Sports. The Sportsocracy with ESPN Asheville hosts Tank Spencer and Jeremy Green. Welcome into the Sportsocracy. It is a Wednesday morning. It is the last day of the week that we have to deal with. We're all happy about it. He's happy. I'm happy. You're happy. And you're in the Sportsocracy. At the Sportsocracy on all the social medias. Be sure to like it, share it, and follow it. We are in the Wicked Weed studio. WickedWeedBrewing.com. Drink different. Um, there are two big things that we got to talk about today that I'm... Oh, I had to I had to break out the Because Baseball t-shirt here for the Hall of Fame not putting anyone in this year. And my man Kurt Schilling left out in the cold again, and he says, fuck y'all. I'm done. I think you all know what I'm going to say, but <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. And then UT apparently has a new head coach. I got my ball coach. Not Woo-hoo! the one you thought it was going to be. Nope, it's not that one either. Or that one. Or that one. I got them a ball coach, boy. Yeah, by oh, golly. Apparently, Woo-hoo! Danny White is going to be bringing Josh Heupel with him from UCF. And yeah, Tennessee balls. We got a ball coach who went six and four at UCF. Uh, and in the, was he better, three years? Yep. Hasn't been able to defend a desk lamp. <laughs> I. We will talk about this later in the show. I cannot wait to see this because it is going to be a glorious yep. tire fire. Yep. We are also the uh, Democratic Republic of Sports. So uh, anything you want talked about as well, throw that up in the comments and we'll give our comments on it. It is that easy. All right. So Kurt Schilling deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. There's not a baseball fan, in my opinion, that has a brain that cannot see Kurt Schilling as a Hall of Famer. This is a guy who has three World Series rings. Uh, he has one of the most iconic moments in World Series history. And his stats aren't too shabby either. Mm-hmm. Uh, several years being uh, at the top of his profession. He never did win a Cy Young Award, but he did finish as runner-up several times. Uh, also finished in the top ten in the MVP voting several times, which is pretty friggin' hard for a pitcher mm-hmm. to do. He has... You know, more wins in the postseason than just about anybody in baseball. Especially when compared to the guys who have made the Hall of Fame in recent years. There's one thing, in my opinion, that is keeping him out of the Hall of Fame. And that is because he is not a nice person on social media. Because he was riding the Trump train! <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. When you come down to the end of a guy's career and you're making a decision on whether or not that playing career was good enough to be, you know, mentioned in the annals of, uh, of history as one of the greatest to ever do it, in my opinion, never should his off-the-field opinions about shit, especially politics, Come into play in that decision. Well, I guess that means definitively I'll never be in the baseball hall of fame. No. Oh no. shit. I don't even I don't I don't think they're gonna be uh, you're gonna oh, be on their radar at all. Shoot. The Damn ba- the devil. The oh, baseball shoot. writers continue to do it year in and year out. I cannot wait for the moment when I can look at the baseball hall of fame and the baseball writers association and go, they get it. These guys get it. Because they haven't gotten it for about, no, 20 years. The fact that we're still having this fight over the steroids thing 
baffles my mind. I don't care. You can't look at it. Look, if you want to say Barry Bonds is not the home run king, fine. I'm with you on that. I said it the other day when Hank Aaron passed away. We were talking about it on the radio show. He will always be the home run king to me. But for his generation, Barry Bonds was the, was the guy. He was a Hall of Famer before he started taking the steroids. He realized in the 98 you know, uh, home run race between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, I got to do something to hit the long ball. And so he went out and did something. And you know what? He never, I mean, he did get he did get caught, but I don't care about the, the steroids and the performance-enhancing drugs and all that kind of stuff. Everybody was doing it back then. I don't care about any of that because baseball. Here's what I care about. <laughs> it, since 2012, which was a year that Barry Larkin, who I love Barry Larkin because I grew up a Reds fan. Yep. How many players have been elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame since 2012? That don't go super oh, low. I don't know. Um, but it's the possibility was for 45. Has it been like 20? 23. 23? That's three NFL Hall of Fame classes. And baseball is so egotistical and arrogant that they go, we don't have anybody that's worthy of being in our Hall of Fame, <laughs> in spite of the fact Harold Baines is in it. You want to know why I hate baseball? That's why I hate baseball. Because you're egotistical dipshits. Uh-huh. Any baseball writer that submitted a ballot with, and he looked at his ballot and went, nobody deserves it. <laughs> it slid across the table. <laughs> Go all the way and fuck yourself. Or the one that I saw yesterday. I love the public ballots that get published throughout the day. Uh, and these anonymous voters, one of them's ballot had two guys voted for, and it was Omar Vizquel <laughs> and Billy Wagner. Go to hell, whoever you are. I don't care who you are. You should have your Hall of Fame vote revoked. Because there's no reason. None. To me, there's no reason not to include all these guys. Barry Bonds, <laughs> Roger Clemens. Put them, I, I, I mean, shocker of shockers. I'm the one saying put them all in. But in this, in this scenario, I feel that I'm justified in saying that. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, because this is dumb. I just want you to think about what if what if the NFL did this? Mm -hmm. They go into the room and they look at oh, we'll go with this year. They look at Peyton Manning and Calvin Johnson and all, let's and you know what? Let's take out the sure the surefire first ballot guys. Okay. Let's take out Peyton and Charles Woodson. Let's just say they looked at Jared Allen and they looked at you know Calvin Johnson and all these guys and went nope, nobody deserves it. Maybe next year. Are you going to play another game? Nope. But maybe I'll feel different next year. Maybe I'll just wake up and have a wild hair in my ass, right. and I'm up for Harold Baines. I know you got to make sure you get that 75% uh, uh, threshold met. And Kurt Schilling was 16 votes away. It's so stupid. This was his ninth year on the ballot. Next year would be his tenth and final time to be on the ballot for the baseball writers to vote them in. Then it goes to the Veterans Committee. Well, after the vote was announced yesterday that Kurt Schilling missed by 16 votes with 71.1%, he sent out a letter that said, I will not participate in the final year of voting. I'm requesting to be removed from the ballot. I'll defer to the Veterans Committee and men whose opinions actually matter and who are in a position to actually judge a player. I don't think I'm a Hall of Famer, as I've often stated, but if former players think I am, then I'll accept that with honor. Good for you, man. Just 
See now, I, now you me. and I are going to disagree with this because th- th- that actually made me go, "Oh, go to hell!" No, and and we agree on a lot of things, not all things, but some. And mine has nothing to do with his politics. You didn't let me in, so you, I, I'm going to just take my ball and go home. I just, I don't want to. No. That's the I, most baseball-y thing I've no, ever heard in my life. I like it. Take yourself out of the running and say, fuck y'all, I don't respect your opinions. I will go to the Veterans Committee and we'll see what they have to say. What my peers have to say. I'm sick and tired of you know waiting around for the baseball writers to figure out that I'm a Hall of Fame player. That's my opinion. And I thought for sure that he was going to be able to get in, and I didn't think that uh, that the politics would have too big of a an impact on it, but I honestly believe that that is what drove this. Here's the thing. There's been one player in baseball history that unanimously got selected to the Hall of Fame, and that happened four years ago. This is something I've been voting on for, oh, I don't know, since the turn of time. I, I literally think God made Earth, and they started voting for the Baseball Hall of Fame about three days later. Mm-hmm. I also think the vast majority of these writers were born within about six months of that. Yeah, I'm shocked they tabulated these votes so quickly when they were cast on stone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked all the pigeons got the votes to whoever was collecting them and tabulating them on their abacus. They were... Uh, he, all of the public ballots, by the way, when they're released, they are like scanned in with a fax machine. It looks like some of them are hard to tell what it says. <laughs> Nobody's shocked by that. Baseball's still using fax machines. Right. Who's shocked? Who's shocked? Fax it to me. Who's shocked? Who's shocked that baseball's the only person on earth that still has a fax machine? I'll guarantee you. What, what's uh, Barbara Mansfield? What's his name? Rob Manfred. <laughs> He's the only person that still has his fax number on his business card. He also has a landline. And I bet he uses AOL or Net Zero. Because baseball. Yeah. I hadn't done that in a long time. That felt good. <laughs> Last day before vacation. I know tomorrow I'll be waking up to my lovely wife and the ocean and not that guy. And for me, it feels good. Mm-hmm. So good. I hate your sport. I, it's, it's and and it makes it so easy. The thing is that oh, your yeah. sport makes it so damn easy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would be one thing if you had like a really good on-field product and everything was working and everything was hunky-dunky. That's the way I feel about the NBA. The NBA gives me reasons to hate it, but damn, the product's good. I mean, it is it, at times. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us, oh, they don't play defense. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I, I never watched, you know, back in the mid-'90s for Charles Oakley and Dennis Rodman. I watched for Michael Jordan, so... And I'm sorry, I like points. I like people that score. If I wanted to watch two, if I wanted to watch 18 guys uh, try, spend three hours and not scoring, I would go to a local bar and sit there. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I have no interest in baseball. Yeah. Here, here's the thing: is years ago, uh, because Adam Black said, "Why is it on the writers?" Well, it's, I mean, it's the writers' Hall of Fame. It's not Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah. It, it's always just the Baseball Hall of Fame by the Baseball Writers of America Association or whatever, the BWWAA or whatever. It, they own it. They started it. They own it. Baseball just has the partnership with them to run it. But that's why the baseball writers get to choose because it's theirs. They created it. 
And so there's nothing we can do. There's nothing to change it. Like the ba- baseball as a whole, like Rob Manfred can't come in and say, um, okay, from now on, we're going to have all the coaches vote for it. The baseball writers own this thing. And they always will. And the only, th- and the only thing it's going to take is all of this old guard dying. dying. Not dying, retiring, giving up their Well, they're votes, obviously not going to retire because the average age of a Baseball Hall of Fame voter right. is dirt. Right. But they can receive they're, they're their all, votes. It, and that's what they should do. Baseball is the only sport where the people that vote on their Hall of Fame are older than the dirt their Hall of Fame is built upon. Right. Right. I mean, you still have guys like Peter Gammons who's written about baseball forever and still has a Hall of Fame vote. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it sounds harsh to say it when they die off and lose their... I don't want anyone to die. I want. I just want you when you get too old to be, you know, sane about your votes or to keep up with modern times or whatever. I feel like your ability you to vote to... in a Hall of Fame and your ability to drive a car, you should lose both at about the same time. <laughs> and frankly, it's there are 70... a lot of baseball riders that haven't had the ability to drive a car since 1978. Oh. <laughs> like they voted for Reggie Jackson and gave up their driver's license the next day. Right. And they're still voting! Right. Now I'm I'm completely standing with uh, with my guy Kurt Schilling today. Look, I know he's I, I know he's an asshole. I know he says shit on Twitter that you don't like. I know you may not agree with his politics. But all of this, you know, oh, we don't want Kurt Schilling in the Hall of Fame. He's a Nazi. Fuck off. Go learn something about Nazis and yep. then, and then and come by back. By the way, uh, Ty Cobb, Google it. It wasn't <laughs> exactly. exactly the nicest fellow right. he ever met. Right. Oh, oh, Kurt Schilling, he's a racist because he followed Donald Trump. Okay, well, if we're going to kick all the racists out of the Hall of Fame, we're not going to have anybody in the Hall of Fame anymore. At least nobody who was uh, playing, you know, earlier than 19, what, uh, 95? <laughs> Ty Cobb killed a guy. Yeah. That's a real thing. Killed him. Just killed him. He used to spike people on purpose. Uh, Get into fights on the field. I'm sorry. I he haven't listened the... to not a word you've said because I swear to God I saw Jim Jeffries left a comment in the, in the comment section and I went, oh. Jim Jeffries. <laughs> I have watched nothing but Jim Jeffries stand-ups for the last three nights. Oh, that's uh, thanks for joining us, Jim. I thought you were somebody else at first, but I do agree with your comment. <laughs> The only thing is we can't talk about Pete Rose on this show or Grandpa over here will lose his shit. If Pete Rose's name is said, Tank will go Nanners. I'm not going Nanners. Uh, To me, that's sewn up as well. I just realized you have a Kurt Schilling jersey hanging up behind you. I do. I do. You just noticed that now? Yeah. Kind of brought it in here special just for this occasion. I didn't notice that. My, uh, my, My certified signed Kurt Schilling jersey. I'm a big Kurt Schilling fan. By the, by the way, if you're going fan. with the Kurt, I saw David Smith, who, by the way, does a fantastic uh, show, Armchair Commentary. We like to call them our Canadian friends. Right. Uh, him and Steve Steele. They do a great show. Check them out. Uh, Facebook, all those good things. Uh, he said he's a racist because he's a racist. If we're taking that hardline stance that racists can't be in the Baseball Hall of Fame, you should probably burn every wing of the Hall of Fame that doesn't start before, oh, I don't know, about 1972. Mm-hmm. Anything that happened before, oh, I don't know, Ronald Reagan. Yep. I would probably just, mm-hmm. if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. There's a lot of nefarious things in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So, I, I am just saying, if you're if you're wanting to take that hard line, say it's more power to you, just, you're going to have to. 
gonna have to be real consistent, right? And it's gonna get. I mean, the Baseball Hall of Fame is gonna have as many entrances as it has visitors, right? And, and which is not many. And this is the thing: Do we want to play this game? Do we want to be the you know the history police that go back and just remove everything that might have been offensive at one point in life? From you know, and and I don't know. I've always I've, I love history. I've always been a guy who loves history. Going to, uh, you know, going on my vacation and going and doing all the touristy shit in Boston, the Freedom Trail and the old Ironsides, and you know, going to travel f uh, or uh, explore forts and stuff down in you know old Civil War forts and things like that. Like I enjoy those things. I think there's something that we can learn from our past. Um, I mean, I, I, I can I can get to you on some level with people who want to make the arguments of, well, he's not a person that we want representing our brand. Okay. But is that really a decision that you get to make? Right. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, put it all out there on the field. I mean, think back to the 2004 World Series. This is a guy who had a ligament ripped in his ankle, had it patched so he could play again. And then as the stitches and stuff started to break on said wound and he bled through his sock, he went, fuck it, I'm going to keep going. It was catch up. It was not catch up. <laughs> Stop that. Gee, that's one of the biggest... Oh, oh, I hate that. I hate that so much. I fought that so much at the time. And there are people that actually believed that that was fake. <laughs> anyway... <sighs> Not to put a guy like that in the Hall of Fame is just absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that his political opinions can come into any decision on whether or not his playing career was good enough. I mean, I get it if the guy committed murder or something. If we're like Ty Cobb, that yeah, got it yeah, yeah. already let in. Yeah. I mean, but given that decision uh, <laughs> these days, you know, I think if O.J. Simpson had come up for the Football Hall of Fame afterward, he I, wouldn't have got in. I'm going to disagree. Yeah, I mean, maybe so. It seems like they've forgotten about it because they put him on like the all-century team last year at the Super Bowl. They're getting, they're coming around to it. But I got a good feeling that that would have been a fight that we had for a long, long time. Oh, it shouldn't matter. He was acquitted. And oh, it shouldn't matter what he did in his post-game life. We should only be focusing on the stats. Okay? Uh, I or, use the same thing for Kurt Schilling. Or... Or all right, I throw you twenty minutes of a baseball bone because I'm on vacation. <laughs> That's all I got. I can't do anymore. My brain's starting to hurt, and I don't want to do it anymore. And frankly, this computer here is a little too confound for most baseball fans. Confound? Confound. That's a word my grandfather used to use. I don't know what the fuck it means. <laughs> it's too hard for you to figure out. I mean, I, I could I could assume. Yeah. Let's talk about. Uh, Let's talk about old Rocky Top. Oh, God. Rocky Top, you'll always be funny as shit to me. <laughs> Bad old Rocky Top. Woo! Yep. <laughs> oh, they've done it again. Just when you thought it could not have gone uh, any worse. Uh, <laughs> I don't it, think... It gets I worse. I physically don't think you could have made a worse hire. <laughs> it appears that the new AD that they brought in from UCF has decided just to bring his old coach with him. Uh, no, not the one that he hired at Buffalo that's been so successful. Um, 
Oh, not that other guy that that's at that that Nebraska now. That was really um, successful. Oh, it's oh, it's the guy who came in, inherited a really good team, and then has got shittier every year since he's been there. Yeah, Josh Heupel uh, is now going to be apparently the head coach of the UT Volunteers. And you feel good about that, Vols fans? Of course you don't. Woo! You knew how this was going to go. You know, I had all the hopes in the world that they were going to make a good hire. Everybody's giving Tennessee such I great mean. praises. With Danny White coming in, oh, he's a smart guy. He doesn't make bad hires. I think I actually said those words on this show when it was announced. <laughs> you did. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. Um, hey, this is a national championship winning coach. Yeah. By the way, has anybody else noticed that Josh Heupel is starting to look strangely more and more like us by the day? Mm-hmm. I remember him at Oklahoma because, you know, he did have an involvement in a very sad day in my life. Uh, which means, fuck that guy. Uh, but I saw a picture of him wearing his UCF national title hat, and yeah. I swear to God, I went, oh my God, a fat guy, Josh Heupel. Who is that fat guy, and why do they have him underneath Josh Heupel's name? Oh my God, that is Josh Heupel. <laughs> Josh Heupel ate Josh Heupel. Uh, he's definitely been having some snacks. He's he's had a few. You know, it's 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 all right. Adam Black has a perfect point. Okay, they had to get someone cheap that's desperate for a job, and frankly, it was starting to get a little contentious at UCF. Mm-hmm. This, I, I the first thing I thought when I heard this this morning, Josh Heupel couldn't stop defenses in the AAC. What do you think Nick Saban's going to do to him? What do you think old Goditis is going to do to him? This will be one of the most god-awful hires in the history of college football. Mm -hmm. This makes the Jeremy Pruitt hire look like a Tonka toy. At least Pruitt had been a coordinator, and we didn't know what he was as a head coach. Now we found out in pretty short order. But I mean, this is who could they have hired that would have got that, that would have had more backlash today? I mean, there are Tennessee fans that are ready to jump off bridges right now, and I don't blame them. <laughs> I don't blame them. If I was in this position, I might think, yeah. yeah. I think Clay Travis might have had an on-air embolism earlier. He was he was definitely pushing towards a stroke when I heard it. That's for damn sure. Oh yeah, and he was saying all of the right things. I mean, Clay Travis. He's a very smart guy. He's also a big Tennessee fan, just to let that be known. Well, yeah. I mean, he's based in Nashville, and it's all about UT football up there. And you know what? He's not wrong about this. This is probably one of the greatest embarrassments of all time in Power 5 football. Tennessee went, we need to be relevant. What can we do? Oh, yeah. Let's go hire a guy who's over his skis um, to be our head coach. Let's hire a guy that can't stop a nosebleed. Right. Like, you put him up against all the other coaches in the SEC. Do you think he can beat any of them? Mm, any of them? Oh, that'll be fun. I mean, could he beat Mike Leach? No. Do you think he'll beat God, Lane Kiffin? what is Mike Leach going to do to this defense? Right. <laughs> Holy shit. Bet that, I don't know if there's a book to do this. If you can bet the over on Tennessee-Mississippi State next year, right now, I don't care what the number is. I don't mm-hmm. care if it's 90. Do it. Do it. Because <laughs> they will score 100 points apiece. Right. I, I, I mean, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dan Mullen, any of these guys. You think Josh, Josh Heupel is going to be able to hold a candle to any of them when it comes to, oh, you know, uh, 
strategery. Do you know where UCF was last year in a point in opponent points per game? Where they were? There are 130 teams in college football. Yeah, they were 87th in the AAC. They were 123rd in yards allowed per game. They gave up almost 500 yards a game in the AAC. Nice. Now you're going to the SEC into a recruiting footprint that you know absolutely nothing about because UCF predominantly recruits Florida. Mm-hmm. Oh, he has relationships in Florida. Yeah, with recruits that are not good enough to go to Florida, Florida State, or Miami. Mm-hmm. That's what he's made his living on. And how many of them have wound up transferring? Yeah, You know where Mackenzie Milton's playing next year? Google it. Uh, <laughs> 28-8 in three years. At UCF, six and four this past season, and now and, and I think you're wrapped that, up too much in the six and four this year. This is also a guy that had to put it that, that had a new quarterback that had not played a lot. Mackenzie Milton was hurt. Yet you had a lot of things. I get that. That's not my problem. My problem is the on-field logistics of this. The defensive scheme here has been a disaster. Oh, but he, he could keep Kevin Steele. Mm-hmm. Okay. That really that, that that really makes me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. Right. And I've heard the, you know, oh well he's gonna put great coaches around him. No, he's not. Oh no he's not. Okay. Because great coaches with options are not gonna tie themselves to, to Tennessee. I agree. Because this screams fall guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This screams guy that will take us through the abyss and then we will hire the real coach that will lead us back to being relevant three years from now. You do realize that there was heat on Josh Heupel at Central Florida, right? Like, there were fans of Central Florida that were getting uneasy mm-hmm. that this team has regressed every year and hasn't recruited at the same level it did with Scott Frost. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to put this guy in the SEC. Really? You, you think that's a good idea? Everything I just said, any of that sound like it's going to work? No. No. But this is what I tried to tell you two months ago. With, oh, Albert and Tennessee, blah, blah, blah. Tennessee's a better job. With, I mean, with recruiting sanctions, they still went out and got a guy that was pretty much who the AD wanted. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, why did the AD want this guy? The answer is, I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that. What's having faith in your guy? I mean, obviously, it would be, I hired him. Well, it's nepotism. It's, it's, I know this well, guy, yeah. I'm comfortable with this guy. Yeah. And I, <laughs> the, the funny thing to me is that you, you, you can't make this move. I mean, I can understand the thoughts of, I want to bring in a guy I trust, I want to build something important here, blah, 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 blah. And that, but that's not what I feel like Tennessee wanted. And I know that, and that's definitely not what Tennessee fans wanted. Tennessee fans wanted to see Danny White come in here and make a powerhouse hire. Let's jump and in, make a splash, and let's make... It would, it would have been the Bill O'Brien or the Tony Elliott or something. Well, Tony Elliott, I told you this yesterday on both shows. I cannot for the life of me understand why Tony Elliott would take this job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This strikes me as somebody in Knoxville trying to do that reporter that, oh, breaking news, Tony Elliott interviewed Tennessee, he's going to take the job. You, you know how far I got with that yesterday? And bear in mind, I, I, I do know two Tennessee boosters pretty damn well. Yeah. Uh, you know what I got on that? I have no idea what he's talking about. What, one of them actually specifically told me, why the hell would Tony Elliott take this job right now? He turned down the Seattle Seahawks offensive coordinator job. Mm-hmm. Why would he take the Tennessee head coaching job? Exactly. Doesn't make sense. 
Exactly. That's coming from their boosters. Mm -hmm. Like, not not from uh, me, uh, who is a Florida State fan and could give a rat's ass about Tennessee. That's from people that have season tickets that, that are paying part of these buyouts. But this is Why what, would he take our job? Right. But this is what happens with UT every time. They, they, you know, these stories get leaked, these connections get made that, oh, look, we're interviewing all these great candidates for the job. And then what ends up happening? You end up with Jeremy Pruitt, now Josh Heupel. I don't think you can go lower on the next one. I think you need to shoot higher on the next one. Well, they shot higher. They talked to Bill O'Brien. I, I mean, I've said that now on both shows. They talked to Bill O'Brien. I was told, and I quote, it didn't go well. Mm -hmm. What that means, I have absolutely no idea. Right? Did it not go well for Danny White? Did it not go well for Bill O'Brien? I don't know. Now, according to Clay Travis this morning, he says they didn't even speak to Hugh Freeze. Uh, they didn't. They didn't. They, they knew they couldn't hire Hugh Freeze. Because if you did anything all, with a coach that has a show cause on him, because he still does, mm -hmm. you would have gotten murdered. Mm-hmm. But, but see, this is where I. But get I would have rather taken that lump than go, you know, small and safe. I wouldn't. Really? I, I would with with the, and and I now I have to say something. Because Paul Feinbaum said this yesterday, and and it it it, it irked me. The only place they reported that Tennessee was giving cash to players in McDonald's bags was on Dan Patrick's show. Yeah, Dan Patrick's pretty well connected there, boss. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't go to Tennessee like Paul Feinbaum did. Yeah, it, it, secret time, that happened. It's no doubt. There's no doubt it happened. That might not be the worst thing that happened. So it, it, that really irked me. That only Dan Patrick reported it. Uh, okay. Short of Jeremy Pruitt coming out and saying it, Dan Patrick's in probably the top five that could say it, and me go, that's probably true. Yeah. Not known for a guy who just, uh, you know, Talks, yeah, and just and he said something to the effect of say in you know crazy things. It's a big difference between him and Colin Coward. And well, and uh, I love Colin Coward too. <laughs> I know you do. That's and and one that. of the things that he said was, "Oh, I've never seen Dan be up for a Pulitzer Prize." It's because he's not a writer, dumbass. I, it, it, I hate when people say stupid things. It mm -hmm. just makes me, especially on shows that well, I mean, are constantly Paul, Paul. But you know what I mean, Paul. <laughs> You know what that is, though. Annoying as fuck? No, yes, it's, exactly uh, it's a guy who collects a paycheck from the SEC. Uh, and is a Tennessee alumni. Right. And goes, uh, not my program. By the way, yeah, right. I, I will say one of the funniest things you'll ever hear in your life. Uh, Paul Feinbuck got asked, what would you do if you knew who the Tennessee hire was and they asked you not to announce it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he knew who the Tennessee hire was. Yeah. One of his scholars asked, what would you do if you knew who this was? And he went, well, I don't think I'd report it. Uh, it's because he knew who it was, and he didn't report it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> made me laugh. T. Martin was the only thing that made T. Sense. Martin made all the sense in the world. Mm -hmm. The only thing is that I don't think Tennessee wanted to do that to, to T. Martin. T. Martin has deserved a head coaching job for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they wanted his one shot to be a team that has borderline no ability to be relevant. Recruiting sanctions and things like that are going to hurt them. And I mean, it's real. This is, I'm not going to say it's a no win job, but that's how you wind up with Josh Heupel. Mm -hmm. Is because you, you, you ask these guys that have options the Tony Elliott's of the world, the, the Hugh Freezes of the world. I mean, I, I, I'll wager, let's just say Tennessee had interest in Hugh Freeze, which I know at one point they did. And Hugh Freeze had interest in them. 
I could see a path that they contacted Hugh Freeze's agent and went, I'm not touching that. I'm not doing it. it, it, it I, I'm, Hugh Freeze has always skated down that line of, yeah, maybe I should do this, maybe I shouldn't do that. And now you're going to have the NCAA up your ass? Mm -hmm. Or I can stay at Liberty, which, uh, let's see, Adam Black pointed out has more money than damn near any school in the country. And I can be an independent and I can do whatever I want to. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I think I'll stay here. I think I'll stay here and cash Jerry Falwell checks. Right. You know, we got into the argument of about a couple of months ago, I think it was, about Auburn and UT mm -hmm. and the difference between those programs. There's and not much of one. Looking back on it now, though, uh, Auburn made the superior hire. I don't agree with you. Really? You don't think Brian Harson is better than Josh Heupel? Not really. Mainly because he's never coached in the Southeast in his life. Oh, just wait. I'll give it time. And you got to understand, Auburn had no restrictions whatsoever. To me, right. I still consider Tennessee to be a far superior job. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Think, about, think about what you just said. They just hired a coach that was 28-8 at, at a group of five school. Who does that sound exactly like? Sounds exactly like Brian Harson, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And he's younger. And he's actually coached in the Southeast. And Auburn didn't do that. Auburn brought a guy from Boise, Idaho, whose recruiting base is 2,000 miles away from Auburn because that's who they could get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still firmly believe the Tennessee job is far and away superior to Auburn. To me, it's not even close. That program is not is not starting off on a great foot with their I don't think either hire is good. I think what you're undervaluing, one of these teams may not be able to go to a bowl game for the next two years. They hired an equivalent coach. Auburn doesn't have that problem. Mm -hmm. Auburn got turned down by the coach at UAB. That should tell you everything you need to know. A school that did not have a football program four years ago. Uh huh. Adam Black asked me, better program, Michigan or Tennessee? I'm going to say Michigan. Michigan. I'm going to say Michigan, but I will say tougher job, Michigan or Tennessee? I'll say Michigan. Because Michigan can win 10 games and their fan base loses their shit because they lost Ohio State and lost Michigan State and lost in bowl game. Mm -hmm. Tennessee, if they, won ten, if they won 10 games in Tennessee, they'd be building statues. <laughs> right. They'd be in hog heaven. Absolutely. Alex Sander asked, is Tennessee the new stepping stone job for someone to go to a better school? I don't think with this hire, but I think Tennessee needs to understand they're not a destination job. Mm -hmm. There's only a handful of destination jobs in college football, and Tennessee is not and has not been one of them. Right. I mean, really think about it. Since Phil Fulmer retired, who's the best coach they've ever had? I don't know. It's Lance Kiffin. No. Oh. And yes, I call him Lance because Al Davis did, and I will call him that for the rest of his eternal <laughs> fucking life. Yeah. Until he wins a national title as a coach, he will be known on this yeah. show as Lance Kiffin. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Uh, and what did he do? He, he got there a year and went to USC. Right. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think anybody was going, Butch Jones? Who was that other dipshit? Derek Dooley. Derek Dooley. It hasn't been good, the, and this is just, you know, I guess once you once you think, oh, smart people are now involved, they're going to make different smart decisions. Nope. And they didn't. Danny White bringing Josh Heupel in <coughs> could be his undoing as well. I don't, and, and I don't necessarily believe it. I think this is where you had to go. I mean, not had to go. You had to take I, a, you had to give the job to somebody who will be a bridge. I said that yesterday, if you remember correctly. I said, this is not going to be a Tony Elliott job. This is going to be somebody that doesn't have a whole shitload of options. 
here's the thing. Think of every coach that was talked about with this job. Who do you who would you have been happy with? Who would I have been mm-hmm. happy with? Give me the coach that they could have hired here that we would be having a completely different conversation today. I mean, well, if they'd have hit with Bill O'Brien, if they'd have hit with Tony well, Bill Elliott. O'Brien basically told him to get fucked. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was from the AD to Bill or from Bill to the AD. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right, so we tried that. Next. Hell, I would have I would have respected uh, the Jason Witten rumor before that's, this. That I just that says a stupid comment. Mm. You're, you're, I would have respected a guy that's never coached a down in his life over a guy that's had two top ten teams. At least at this at least at that point, you would think you'd have some. Jason Witten would have been a joke. It would have <laughs> been a fucking joke. Okay. First of all, all right, all right. I got to go down this path because you just said this. Who's he gonna hire? You do understand that they had to hire a sitting coach, right? I mean, you I don't have to explain that to you, right? You know why? Why is that? Uh, because he needed somebody they needed somebody that could bring a staff with them. Because we're a month and a half past everybody else hiring a coach. Okay. So, I mean, you're picking from the bottom of the barrel at a very difficult school to coach at in the first place. So, I mean, who's Jason Witten going to bring with him? Tony fucking Romo? Right. No. You're not going to be able to hire a staff. Nobody wants to come to Tennessee anyway, and you're going to tie yourself to a tight end that just re- who just retired that's never coached a second? No. Josh Heupel's a markedly better is a markedly better hire than that. That would have been some Homer, Tennessee dumb shit that I would have laughed at aggressively. Okay. But, I mean, legitimately give me – and not some pie in the sky. Oh, maybe they could have hired John Gruden or Peyton Manning or Jason Witten. Give me a legitimate coach in college football. There's several I'm looking for here, and I'm and it's the same answer to all of them. Tell me what. Tell me who you. Billy are. Napier. Okay. Didn't take the call. Tried. Didn't take the call. Mm-hmm. Not interested. Mm-hmm. Jamie Chatwell. Not interested. I'm good. I'm good. You have this is a no-win situation for all of those guys. I mean, National Signing Day is, well, what, a week a week away? A week and a half away? Mm-hmm. Do you know how many ESPN top 300 recruits are left total? Unsigned ESPN 300 recruits. No close. 21 total. And, like, eight of those guys are already committed mm-hmm. and just haven't signed anywhere. This is a no-win job. It's a no-win job. Every school in the, in the SEC is trying to pilfer the, the already signed recruits from Tennessee to get them in the transfer portal. I mean, literally, they have talent running out the door. Why would anybody take this job? Mm-hmm. I'm not hammering the AD as much as I am, just going, oh, God, of all the people you could have hired. This is the one that is going to immediately lead to criticism of you that is undue. I'm not hammering Danny White for this. I'm hammering the hire, but at the same time, I don't really know what. I don't know what else you could have done. I don't, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe so. Maybe this was just the last-ditch effort. But I find it hard to believe that this is the best that Tennessee could do. And maybe it's maybe it's because, you know, they don't believe in Danny White and his ability to be able to change the culture in the program. Or, no, it's or, because or the NCAA is beating on the well, door. Of course they are. And it has nothing to do with Danny White. Danny White was universally respected. Frankly, there were a lot of people in the industry that were shocked he would take this job. I was one of them, to be really honest with you. Because mm-hmm. this is a guy with a hell of a pedigree. His brother and his father are both ADs. His dad's the AD at Duke. Mm-hmm. These are res- he's a respected guy. I was shocked he took this job. And I think it took him about a week to go, uh-oh. Oh, no. 
This was not as easy as I thought it would be. Maybe so. Maybe it's just an error in judgment on his part. Um, but I think he's got to play a huge part in this in being able to convince people that we can that we can change it. And in the end, I look at it as an immediate failure that he wasn't able to get somebody better on board. The only thing he could do was look at his coach that he hired at UCF three years ago, who has gotten worse every year, and say, hey, you want a Power 5 job? Come with me. Yeah. I mean, of course. What What is Josh Heupel to do in that scenario? But go, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, right. And UCF sitting here, you know, with another $6 million from Tennessee because they got to buy out both of those contracts now. And UCF, they may go out and hire somebody better than Josh Heupel. I realize it's late in the game for them as well, but that's a, you know, that's a program that somebody will look at as a stepping stone job. And I think it's going to be a stepping stone job for mm -hmm. a real long time. Mm-hmm. Tennessee is that now. Tennessee is on the same level to me. It's not a program that you're going to get anybody to come in and, you know, any big name to come in and turn you back into a winner. I don't know the path forward. I can't see the path forward for Tennessee to ever reclaiming that. They're going to have to get lucky on getting a, a, a guy who sees it as a stepping stone job to something better to be successful and then throw a shitload of money at him and hope that he stays. Because mm -hmm. that's just where you're at. And Josh Heupel would not have been one of my first choices for that. Jamie Chadwell would have been. Jamie Chadwell. Or a guy of that He wouldn't have of touched that his ilk. job. He wouldn't have touched his job. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have. If he would have, they would have hired him. But he wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know definitively about him. I know definitively about Hugh Freeze, and I know definitively about Billy Napier that he said that they both said no. Mm -hmm. Speaking of people that have found things uh, with their job to be a little more difficult than they thought it would be, yeah, lots of balls on the trade block. <laughs> Shocker! The New Orleans Pelicans ready to get rid of Lonzo Ball? I'm. God, I said I they couldn't imagine be, why. I said they should be looking to do this. Um, what a year ago. Right. Ugh. And here's the thing. I got news for you. They're not going to get nearly as much for him as you think they will. No. No. A the, two? The, will they get a two? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the NBA, they, they they hand twos around like they're them joints at a Snoop Dogg concert. I mean, that's <laughs> not hard to get. Hell, I think you can get a two for me. <laughs> it ain't going to be a lot. Because um, Lonzo hadn't been worth it. And it, it, I don't All right, know. I, I'm curious. What do you think he's worth? What do I think he's worth? Mm -hmm. Like a two. No, you would not be trading for Lonzo Ball because he's worth more than that. Mm. He's actually worth pretty markedly more than that. He's still only 20. Was he 22? I think he's 22. 22, or something. something like that, yeah. Here's the, the one that's been discussed and I think ultimately could happen. Kelly Oubre. Straight up for Kelly Oubre. Mm -hmm. Well, it'd be Kelly Oubre and some filler. The the salaries don't exactly match. Right. That's about what he's worth. And Kelly Oubre, by the way, was worth a lightly protected one. So. Okay. 
I wouldn't want him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have him on my team. You kid, wouldn't have him on your team. The kid can't shoot, and I don't want the the drama. He's always been a guy to me that's more interested in you know Facebook and YouTube and TikTok and all that, like Juju Smith Schuster. If I'm Nation, running a team, I don't want him on my team. SB Nation came up with one that I was really intrigued by that I would I would actually like for for both parties involved. Okay. Lonzo Ball for Laurie Marcano. In Chicago. Yeah. Hmm. You'd have to get a pick from the Pelicans, but uh, thankfully they have a but, few of but, those. But why would that work for Chicago? I mean, they have because so they're going to lose Laurie, already. Because they're going to lose Laurie McCann for nothing. Yeah. You got you at least have team control on Lonzo Ball, and you don't have a glut of forwards, which they have. Now you got to think, but Chicago has Thad Young, Wendell Carter, Laurie Markkanen. Uh, there's uh, another one I'm Porter. forgetting. Otto Porter. I mean, they have. It, I understand why you would do it. Right. I, I mean, I get it. I mean, you get now. Why would it? Why would it work? Because then you could put Kobe White. You could either start Kobe White and run Lonzo Ball as the the point guard on the second team. Mm-hmm. You could. Oh, you don't want much overlap with Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball because they wouldn't play well together. But mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing. This is what we said about him coming out. He can't shoot. Uh, he's a defensive liability. 100%. I think you're going to see a trade of Lonzo Ball within the next week. That's crazy. There's enough smoke. Well, I mean, I, if you remember, I've been. Oh well, it won't be within the next week because he's not available to be traded until February sixth. Yeah. Uh, I would say within the next two and a half weeks. I'd say a week after he becomes available to be dealt. Mm-hmm. But if you remember, I said this in the bu- when they were in the bubble. Mm-hmm. I said every time he's on the floor with, Long- with uh, Zion Williamson, they become the worst defensive team I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And there are reports that he was pouting his ass off in the bubble. So, you know, he was he was all in his sensibilities about what something that happened there. So I just I think he's a fragile egoed I wish I could buy him for what he's worth and sell him for what he thinks he's worth. Yep. That seems to be a real common theme with LeVar Ball and his children. Yes. It's not it's not hard to tell where they got it from. Oh, 100 percent And and that's the thing. I mean you you're you're inheriting that as well, and that would be another thing I wouldn't want. Because already, uh, already he's Lavar is talking shit about James Borrego and Lamelo. Yeah, but Lamelo not playing come into off it. The bench. Yeah, Lamelo is I, he's the one that's got hope because not he's putting, not playing into it. I'm not I'm not off the Lamelo ball. I st- I'm still un, unsure. I, I love what I've seen so far from him, and well, there's a lot. It. There's some to love. There's some to hate though. Too. Well, he's on he's on a path though. You know, he's he's making a little bit of a splash. He's on a path. I think he's a better shooter than his brother, which isn't That's saying a whole lot. I think like, I'm a better shooter than his brother. <laughs> right. It ain't saying a whole lot, but I think he's a better all-around player. And he hasn't been the headache yet. Correct. That's what I'm saying. That's the, Eventually, that could be a problem. Oh, 100%. And then, and, and you know, because you've if you've got dad pumping you up, thinking that you need to be, you know, a starter, and you're coming off the bench, but that's what helps the team right now. Well, Lavar Lavar would not be the problem. The problem would be if you watch this team, you realize that Lamella Ball should be starting mm-hmm. because Devonte Graham has been a fucking nightmare as a starter. I don't know if you knew what I just said, but he has been a an absolute abject disaster. He was well because he's not a starter. He's not a starter. He's a six man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what happens when bad teams overvalue guys that were. The, the Lou Williams of their bench. Yeah, he's real good against backups. 
Uh, you put him against the legitimate NBA two guards, mm-hmm. yeah, guess what? They eat his lunchbox because mm-hmm. he's real little and he's not a good defender and he goes full-on heat check a lot. However, uh, where, where we started this was with Lonzo. And I mean, at the end of the day, Lonzo Ball was a bust when the Lakers drafted him. He should never – I said when, when New Orleans traded for him, this is not a guy that should be included in a – he should not be seen as a, a real redeemable asset in the Anthony Davis deal. Yes. I said basically they got Brandon Ingram in picks mm-hmm. that, and Josh Hart. Mm-hmm. And Lonzo Ball was a – maybe he turns into something, but I don't buy it. Right. And I never have bought it. And New Orleans is learning that. And now New Orleans is stuck. Right. Because they're not going to get much for him, I don't believe. I I would be surprised if somebody gave up a first-round pick for him. I wouldn't. Uh, I, I could see Dallas doing it. Um, there, are, there, there, are a few, there are a few teams that I could actually see making a play on him. Mm-hmm. I think he would be a great backup to Luka Doncic. Uh, I think he needs to learn from a guy like that. He needs to get LeVar out of his ear. Because LeVar has pumped him up that he's way better than he is. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a sieve defensively. I mean, he's legitimately, if you look at the metrics, he is Kyrie Irving bad in a body that shouldn't be that bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has a size advantage over virtually every guard he comes in contact with. And he's still god-awful. He's not a good pick-and-roll point guy. I mean, there's just, there's so much. They're playing Brandon Ingram over him at point guard. Mm-hmm. Who is 6'9". And... Not a point guard, by the way. Statistically, he's good. I get it. I don't care. Watch the games. He's painful to watch at times as a point guard. And I still like him better. Mm-hmm. I still see death lineups with, with Zion Williamson and, and Brandon Ingram if you could add somebody like Kelly Oubre because they do need somebody that can score. And currently, they don't have that. Right. So, I, the, the Kelly Oubre thing, is it, it makes all the sense in the world to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and New Orleans apparently is also looking to trade J.J. Redick. He hasn't played a lot, I, and, I, and I really don't get it. It, it. I mean, this is the Stan Van Gundy effect. Yeah. I said I hated that hire the day they made it. Well, Here's I mean, a, get any, to me, it's get anything you can out of these guys while you can. Like, it, if Lonzo Ball continues, his value's not going to increase. So you gotta you gotta put it out there. You gotta let people know. You know, come get him now. <laughs> yeah. Because we wa- we want to get something out of him. Because you can't trade him what next year, and he'd be worth a first round pick again. Because then he'll be four years removed from being. You're talking about JJ? No, I'm talking about Lonzo. Oh, Lonzo. I thought, I'm you, about I thought you were saying JJ Reddick for the first round pick, and I think no, my no, no. brain pressed against my skull. No, but here's the thing with JJ Reddick is, I mean, dude, dude's getting older. I, th- I think me and JJ Reddick are about the same age. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not, because me and JJ, because JJ and I are about the same age. Okay, all right. So you guys are about the same. As a matter of fact, I think we're the exact same age, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I still remember him writing poetry under a tree, and I want to say that was right about the time I got out of high school. Oh, he's three years older than me. Yeah, so that makes sense. He was he was a junior at Duke, I think, when that happened, and I was a senior in high school. Okay. So. He's a halfway between both of our ages. Mm-hmm. And he's still a shooter. He I still think the Golden right. State Warriors he's a valuable piece. Right. He will be a valuable piece for a team that's contending that yeah. needs another shooter. Yeah. And let's go ahead and get what we can out of him before he's not worth anything. Going back to Philadelphia would be good. I don't love him in Philadelphia. He doesn't really fit. With, he doesn't really fit. 
I understand the premise of having a shooter out there with Ben Simmons because he doesn't shoot. Right. And the problem is that you already have so many guys. You do need shooters, yes, but you can't have guys that are defensive sieves. Mm-hmm. Right. Ben Simmons is a plus defender. Embiid's a plus defender. Toby Harris is not. Uh, and I'm forgetting. Who's the other guy in that lineup that I'm forgetting? It was Josh Richardson. Seth Curry. There's a, there we go. Seth Curry's already doing that. You know, and, and having JJ Reddick on, on, on running with the backups doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten Seth Curry was actually there. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, one of the greatest three point shooters of all time. Don't oh, you forget it, oh, Seth Curry. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> what? What was it? He's got a he's his three all time three point percentage is better than his brothers by like four percent or something. Isn't that right? <laughs> I think I remember reading that when uh, when when Seth Curry came to came to Philadelphia. Um, I don't know. Do you expect much movement before the trade deadline in the NBA? I would say so, uh, I, I, solely because there's so many teams that I think are going to be legitimately competitive. You know, I'm, I I always look for the fire sale in Sacramento because I know it's going to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. Just solely because you, I mean, you can't keep doing this forever. I did hear a, a conversation on uh, Keyshawn and Jaywell this morning. They were talking about if LeBron was on the Kings, would he make them a championship contender? <laughs> I wanted to hear your response to that. Oh uh, no, you're wrong. Really? Hundred percent. You wrong. think so? Hundred percent. You're wrong. You're wrong. It's not really all that close. Frankly, I had to turn it off because it was starting to hurt my head. Because I wanted to call in, but I, I knew I would never get through. Because I really wanted to say, do you remember that he got to the finals with a team whose second best player was Larry Hughes? Uh, is De'Aaron Fox better than Larry Hughes? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, the third best player on that team was Delonte West, who may or may not have been banging his mom. <laughs> is Marvin Bagley better than Delonte West? Yeah. I mean, I can keep doing this. Okay. So a 40-year-old LeBron, or how old is he now, 38? Something like that. 39? 30 something. He's, he's 30 and something. So, you th- so, but you think he could turn around? Yeah, and I don't know how they got on that. I missed how, we, how, how the, the lead into that. Uh, but I immediately thought it was funny. Look, I and I thought it was hilarious that Jay Williams was the one going, oh, I think he'd make him competitive. Like, uh, every team he's ever been on has been competitive. Right. And, and before anybody said, well, we missed the playoffs with the Lakers, yeah, that was with Lonzo Ball. Uh, the same guy we were just talking about being a massive problem. Uh, yeah, that's the same guy. Yeah, already did this. Already did this once. Never quite understood why the Pelicans thought LeBron couldn't get these guys to the finals or to the playoffs, but Zion can. Right. Hmm. All righty then. So you think he could win a title? I think he could be competitive for a title. Okay. All right. See, he's thirty-six now, so that makes it a little more difficult for him to be. It's hard to be apples to apples with that uh, uh, Cleveland team that was god awful. Terrible. Right. Where would, they be, where, the where would that team be in the in the hierarchy of the West right now? Because I don't uh, think they'd come out of the West. That's that, that's why I said no. Where would they, they be currently in the right. hierarchy of the West? Right. Well, I'm assuming since LeBron's in LA or is in Sacramento, you have to take him out of LA. Right. So they would be ahead of that team. Mm-hmm. We've seen Anthony Davis and a bunch of dudes, and it didn't go particularly well. Right. Um, 
I would say behind the Clippers, behind the Nuggets, probably behind the Mavericks. There's Jazz. somebody. The Jazz. You're in that five, six range. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, okay. And you could pull an upset on that Jazz team. That... <laughs> By the way, I, I, I don't know. I'm glad you said Jazz because I would have completely forgotten this. I hate politics at this point in, in the United States with every fiber of my soul. Uh-huh. I have a story for our ESPN show this afternoon that is the definition of why I hate politics, and it has to do with the Utah Jazz. Hmm. Something happened in Utah state politics yesterday. Was it yesterday or the day before? That is the definition of what I hate about politics. And I'm going to tell it at 3.30 this afternoon on our ESPN show, ESPN right. Radio. iHeartRadio I, I app, you can find us by searching either my name or his name with the word sports before it. <laughs> the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green, weekdays at 3. I mean, we should leave the setups to me. Uh, just that was a little yeah. rough. It was just a little rough. Well, if you didn't forget to do them, maybe I wouldn't. Oh, oh shit! Bam! Damn! Bam! Vacation, bitches! Ah, uh, yeah. Jeremy's vacation begins this afternoon at five o'clock tomorrow and Friday here in the sportsocracy. We'll be joined by uh, Ronnie George, our former producer. That we I am super excited to see him actually on camera. This dude knows his sports. I love this guy with. I, I, I love this guy. Yeah. And his submission of how to it was. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> there were some good ones. Ron's was uh, clearly the best. I can't really post it on social media, so you're just gonna have to take my damn word for it. Nice. <laughs> nice. So Ronnie will be put it in this here. way. Ron doesn't have a whole lot of what some would call shame. Right. Yeah. Ronnie will be in here with me uh, Thursday and Friday for the Sportsocracy on the afternoon show. Tomorrow, Caleb Peak will be joining me. We're going to talk a lot about the Baseball Hall of Fame. Talk a lot of shit about the baseball <laughs> writers. I'm really hoping he's on the other side of me on this Kurt Schilling thing because that could make for a fun show. Oh. If Stephen Tao had, had said, in, if he had submitted what he just said as his submission to fill my seat, we might have had to have done two shows. <laughs> I have to say it because it's such a dick thing to say, and I love it. Okay. Steven said Dan doesn't let the Dan Eds do setups either. Good for you. I don't know which one of that, us that was aimed at. I really don't, <laughs> and I don't care. <laughs> uh, and then Friday on the ESPN Asheville Show, I'm going to be joined in studio by the uh, the sports team. From News 13, uh, Chris Womack will be in for us for the first hour of the show, and then he takes off to get ready for uh, the afternoon, uh, evening newscasts, and Maria Santora will be joining me for the four to five hours. So uh, be sure to tune in with us. We will still have the content, even though the big ginger is going to be down on the beach in a thong somewhere. Yeah, let that sink in. Yeah, yeah. If, I'm glad I gave that to you. Yeah, if frankly, if I go to bed early enough and I get up early enough, I will be in the comments trolling the Holy shit out of you. <laughs> and we expect no less. We will see you this afternoon on ESPN Asheville. Uh, follow, like, and share the sportsocracy on all of the social medias. Back here tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. I'm Tank Spencer, the vacationing Jeremy Green. Yeah. We'll see you later. Later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.